You're listening to the Resurgent ATL Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. Hello, hello. Chris trusts me so much he's leaving. Wow. I didn't even got to my notes yet. All right. How y'all doing this morning? Was worship just not like, I don't know if y'all felt it the same way I did, but man, like when I got out of the car, I almost started Shonda Hondian. I would dance, but I can't. <laughs> you know, so anyhow, uh, super, super awesome this morning, super sweet. Uh, just the presence and just that aroma and atmosphere of love. And um, I mean, I know Stephen's in youth right now, but I just can't say enough about our worship team, Amy and Josh. And uh, has Caleb been here or is he Caleb, wherever he's at? You guys did awesome. Um, and just every Sunday, the way you guys bring it, man, you guys are top notch. So love you guys. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. So, all right, we're going to have a... Uh, Maybe a little bit different style sermon uh, than what y'all are used to with me, so I hope that's okay. Um, but we're going to be talking today about prophetic community, transitions, and faith. Okay, what does it look like to have a prophetic community? How does that apply when it comes to transitions in life? And then, what, how do we apply our faith on a regular basis? Okay, and so these are, you know, prophetic community is is very important. Right, it's part of our culture, you know. It's part of that that Bethel stream and and so many others and everything. And I think it's important just to kind of lay out some um, protocols or core values, uh, but also some expectations, right? And so we're gonna kind of go through that some today. And then, how many of you guys have felt like you've been in a transition? Anybody? Yeah. <laughs> Holy moly! <laughs> right? It's like, Lord, you got jokes. Um, but, like, navigating those seasons of transition are super huge. And how do we do that? How does prophetic community apply in those seasons of transition, right? Um, and then as we navigate into that season of transition, how do we actually apply our faith? I mean, I think that's one of the big questions that I get a lot of times, like, how do we live in faith? You, understand, you know, I mean, we have our faith in Jesus, and, I mean, obviously that's the threshold that gets us into eternity, that gets us into the kingdom. But how do we actually apply that? Right, and so hopefully I've got some um, some notes that are going to be uh, beneficial to you guys, and um, just really you know kind of walk you through some of this stuff. Right, so um, one of the things that I you know from time to time I have an honor and a privilege to do is I get to uh, to go out to um, hang out with some really cool people like Dan McCollum, Prophetic Company. If you guys aren't following Dan, um, look him up on Facebook, Prophetic Company. Um, he's uh, an incredible trainer when it comes to the prophetic. If you're wanting to grow in that and do just like some supplemental learning, he is absolutely amazing. Uh, most of you guys know who Dub Alexander is. Three of us, that's awesome. Um, Dub has been in here several times. He's another great resource. He also is mentored by, uh, by Dano. But um, one of the beautiful things that, that I feel like, and I think Dano would say this, that he has a call or a mandate on his life is to help raise up healthy prophetic communities and so he does a lot of different trainings and stuff and uh, I was looking up just some of the things that he said so this isn't Jake's stuff this is Dano's stuff um, and he you know it's a, it's a he's really good so one of the things that he said is this um, the healthiest prophetic people in the Bible are those who lived in and moved within a community of believers the healthiest prophetic people in the Bible are those who lived and moved within a community of believers. Uh, you can see this really kind of starting with uh, with Samuel. First Samuel, um, I believe it's five, no, First Samuel 10. Samuel establishes a community or a school of prophets, right? Like one of the things about prophetic communities and about, you know, those of us who are in an office position of being a prophet or who are highly prophetic is, is there is a training that goes. Does that make sense? Like, nobody, anybody in here that's at a manager level, did day one of, like, when you came out of college, were you automatically a manager? Nobody was, right? If you're in sales, except for Nick, um, if you're in sales, chances are you're starting out with some of the dumb leads. Any, any sales reps in here? Yeah, right, Brad, you know what I'm talking about? It's like, yeah, we're going to see if this guy makes it, right? You're never given the good stuff. There's a training process in that. When it comes to prophetic, 
this, that piece as well. And Samuel establishes these schools of prophets where he trained the prophets. How many of you guys recognize that there was a training that prophets went through? Right? We see this continue with Elijah and Elisha. Right? Elijah mentored Elisha. And Elisha did twice as much, at least in the biblical record, as to what Elijah did. How? Because he was under the tutelage. He was under the mentorship. So part of one of the things that, that prophetic communities do is we work together. Does that make sense? There's no lone rangers in the kingdom. Right? There's no lone rangers in the kingdom. We are one. Jesus said, Father, I pray that they become one as you and I are one. And where there is unity, God commands his blessings. Right? One of the beautiful pieces about a healthy community, uh, this is Jake's opinion, about a healthy community, especially prophetic community, is that we are unified. That does not mean that we always agree, even sometimes theologically, and that's okay, right? But we are growing on a regular basis. Uh, we're being held accountable by one another. And I don't mean like you're, you know, when you're in high school. Like I grew up in a Baptist church, and it was, hey, brother, let me check your heart, <laughs> you know, it's, hey, it's accountability time, you know, and then you were like, oh, God, like, oh, it's accountability Sunday. We're not going to church today, you know, anybody else go that way? Um, but we, we hold each other accountable. And in, in my view of that is seeing you for how God sees you and then pulling you up to that standard. Does that make sense? It's not talking about the trash. It's not highlighting the junk. It's about helping you to be a better version of you because we are going from one glory to the next glory. Does that make sense? We saw that modeled with, with Samuel there, and, uh, and it's, it's, uh, it's beautiful how he did that and encouraged that because one of the things growing up in, in the culture I did, I thought, like, prophets were just prophets, and they just did it. It's like they went into their own little trance and eyes rolled back in the head and, you know, they prophesied, you know, I don't know, because I grew up in a culture that had no grid for that, right? But there was that training piece, and there was that accountability piece. One of the cool things that we see in those stories in, in, in Samuel, I don't remember if it's in first or second Samuel, but when King Saul, right, King Saul got around the prophets, the grace that was on the prophets' lives to prophesy poured out from them onto King Saul, and King Saul started to prophesy. How many of you guys recognize in the old covenant that was illegal? But God is always about breaking boundaries, the unhealthy boundaries, right? So one of the things about a prophetic community is that our graces will overflow on one another, right? Just as an example, the grace that's on our worship band. How easy is it to worship on Sunday mornings? Right? How easy is it to just, you know, for those who like to come up here in the floor and just get in the, the river and the flow, it's like a, it's so easy. It's because the grace that is on their lives overflows on ours. Right? One of the other things that Dano said is the healthiest prophetic people in the world are those who commit to communities where prophetic synergy, innovation, and accountability are available. What does that mean? Basically, it means you have some freedom, right? But you commit. That's the, that's the key phrase, you commit. So part of our culture here is that commitment piece. One of the things I love is I looking across the room, I see so many of you guys that commit to serve in some capacity, whether it's tear down or set up, whether it's with kids or painting or, you know, whatever it may be, greeting at the door, doing sound. There's just so many of you guys running the, the social media, that commitment is so huge. That's one of the reasons why I believe we're such a tight-knit community here. Does that make Because we're committed to serve, right? That prophetic synergy, right? That kind of goes back to that grace overflowing, right? When somebody starts prophesying over somebody, guess what it's easier for somebody else to do? Prophesy. Because that grace overflows, right? And so um, part of what that that prophetic community and that, that, that synergy will bring is innovations, right? Like that could even be business innovations, like bringing new products, bringing new designs, having a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge over someone about a meeting they're going to have or a person they're going to run in contact with, 
right? Bringing that innovation to tap into what heaven says and release that to the community, right? Because as a, a, a rising tide lifts all ships. In case you don't know it, you are the rising tide. Amen? Come on. Yeah. Thank you, Chris. The other piece about accountability is this. Like one of my, uh, um, I, so this is Jake, okay? So if Chris wants to correct this, he can. But I believe in prophetically stretching yourself. Okay? Um, you know, any of us that are athletes or once were athletes, that's probably a better terminology for it because all the youth who are athletes are over there. Um, but those of us who used to, to have, a, you know, an athletic background, when you go in the gym and you work out, the only way you get bigger, faster, or stronger is if you stretch yourself. And I don't mean touching your toes. I mean, like, putting more weight on the bar, right, trying to sprint faster, putting some resistance on that, right? But in that, in that, in that natural sense, if you don't reach your objective, there's something you need to look back to to adjust so that you can reach the objective the next time. Does that make sense? So, like, if, you're, if your goal is to bench 100 pounds, but you have your wrist curled and your elbows are way out, guess what you're not going to do? You're not going to bench 100 pounds, and that's pretty light, right? You have to have your wrist in certain positions, your elbow in a certain way to push that weight off of you. So if you don't have your form right, then you're not going to achieve that goal. So you have to go back, take some advice, some constructive, healthy criticism, right? So then you can be like, hey, buddy, got to straighten that wrist out. You got to pull those elbows in a little bit. Push. Does that make sense? I did that with Parker, like, what was it? I don't know, a couple months ago, we were working out, and he's 14, he's long and lanky, he's at that awkward where his feet get caught up, you know, I think that's been his case his whole life, but um, he's our klutz boy in the past, no longer in the future. But that was one of the things, is he was actually, he had his wrist like this, or like way back, or what have you, and he couldn't hardly bench press the bar, and the bar's like at 45 pounds. So I helped coach him through that. In a prophetic community, when I, well, for me, I'm going to stretch, but I'm also going to be held accountable. What that means is if I miss, quote, if I miss a word, I'm going to take responsibility for that, right? If I give Chris a prophetic word and it doesn't come to pass, if I give timeline or something like that and it doesn't come to pass in that timeline, my, the right answer is if Chris comes to me, he's like, hey, man, you gave me this word. It was really good, but it didn't come to pass the way you said it was. The first responsibility to me is not to say, well, you probably got hidden sin in your life. <laughs> no. <laughs> right? That used to be and probably still is a, um, a thing in certain cultures. Like some of y'all probably came from some of those cultures. Right? The responsibility is thank you for that feedback. I apologize that it didn't come to pass the way I said it was, but I'm going to go back and look at that word, how I felt, what I was seeing, and I'm going to adjust from that. Does that make sense? It's owning it, right? That's part of being in a prophetic culture, right? Um, that accountability, this is my opinion, but account, if, you, if, you are, if you allow yourself to be held accountable, you'll gain more favor with man. If you allow yourself to be accountable, to be held accountable, you will gain more favor with man, not just here in the church, but outside of the church, right? If we're going to, if we're going to be on the top of the, of the seven mountains of society and really influence them for the kingdom of God, we're going to have to be held accountable in business, in arts and entertainment, in education, in family, in church, in government, Right? Because if we're not, why would somebody else want to listen to us? If you're not held accountable, you know what you are? A know-it-all. Am I wrong? Who likes being around a know-it-all? I've got two of them over here in the youth room if you want them. <laughs> They're growing just like all of us, right? But being held accountable is incredibly important. Um, because if we're going to grow in this culture and be healthy, we got to learn to grow. What does that look like? I mean, there's been times where Chris has pulled me aside personally, and he's been like, hey, bro, i got to talk to you about something. And I'm like, oh, Lord. 
Like, here it goes, what I say this time. Because sometimes my sense of humor is hilarious <laughs> to me. <laughs> All right, peanut gallery. <laughs> my wife just was like, yeah. But he's pulled me aside, and, and because he loves me, and he sees me for who God sees me to be, I listen to him. He's also my leader. And so when he says, hey, you had this conversation, you said this, it didn't come off so well. What do I do? Oh, no, 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 they got sinned. They did this. They did that. No, not at all. I'm sorry. It's always been, I've apologized. I've owned up to that. That's been my first thing. And maybe there was some conversation that needed, you know, to kind of unwrap what had happened in that, in that moment. But I don't do that first. Does that make sense? I'm, I'm listening to him because I know he loves me. And so when you're, like, if, if, if someone is who loves you in our community and they're, like, you know, trying to pull you up higher, you need to listen to them because it's out of love, Right? There's a couple core beliefs that we have that I know I have, and, and I know Chris will agree with these as well. And if not, he can clean this up later. Just kidding, I ran these by him earlier, but um, <laughs> I'd like to have fun with Chris, especially since he dipped out on me for like 10 minutes. <laughs> okay. All right, number one, everyone can prophesy. Let me say that again. Everyone can prophesy. You do not have to be a prophet to prophesy, okay? From the youngest to the oldest. I'm not going to point at the oldest. <laughs> you can prophesy. It doesn't have to be super elaborate. We see the, the protocols in 1 Corinthians. You know, it's edifying, encouraging, and exhortive in nature. We look, and it's founded in love. Right, but everyone can prophesy. We see this in Joel 2:28. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and daughters will prophesy. Right? That means how many of y'all are a son? Okay, no ladies, good. How many of y'all are daughters? <laughs> right? Just making sure we're good here. Right? Guess what? If you just raised your hand, you can prophesy. And even if you didn't, you can still prophesy. Because you're a son and you're a daughter. And the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable and they come without repentance, according to Romans. Right? So you're born with it. Why? Because you were made in the image of the creator. The one who first prophesied, light be and light was. Right? Through the sound of his voice. So that's number one. Number two. The receiver of a prophetic word is just as powerful as the giver. The receiver of a prophetic word is just as powerful as the giver. And that includes, like, I don't care who that giver is. It could be Chris Vallotton. It could be Kenneth Copeland. It could be Cindy Jacobs. It could be Chris Oliver, who gives some amazing prophetic words and doesn't give himself nearly enough credit for what he prophesies. But he does it with weight and love. It doesn't matter who it's from. You, if you are receiving that prophetic word, you are just as powerful as the giver. Why? Because of your partnership and your alignment with or without it. Does that make sense? 1 Thessalonians 5, 20 through 21. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all and hold on to what is good. Right? Hold on to what is good. I remember several years ago at my old church, we had this pastor coming in. He was from the Bahamas right after one of those hurricanes went through and wiped it out. And he gave a little testimony about his, um, his church being the only building that stood on the entire island after a Cat 5 went through. I think it was Michael. I think, no. Yeah, I think it was Michael. Anyhow, it was one of those that kind of went up the East Coast. And this lady came up to him after and had a prophetic word. And no joke, it was 15 minutes. Right? There's only a handful of people that I want a 15-minute word from. She wasn't on that list. Bless her heart. Okay? It was, it was rough. It was, it was tough. And she said things in that that even in my spirit, I'm like, oh, man, she should have said that. Right? And she went on. I never saw her again. Right? But one of the things, like, as that, that pastor has an option there to partner with and receive that and hold on to everything or only what's good. Right? Like, it's just, you don't always have to hold on to it. If it doesn't resonate with you, if it doesn't fit, 
then maybe it's something you should put on the shelf. Maybe it's something for later, right? Like I remember, um, I'm going to pick on, since Tom and Elaine are here, when they first came here three years ago, I gave him a prophetic word. And one of the things I said is I see you guys, him and her, standing around this island like in the kitchen with these can lights coming down and your guys are drinking a glass of wine and saying, I can't believe how good it is. Can you believe where we're at? And I just said, I started prophesying to them what I was seeing. That made no sense to them at that time. They lived in a town home. They didn't have an island. They didn't have the can lights coming down or the, whatever you call them, right? Am I right or am I wrong? That's not what your house looked like, right? Chris had mentioned they moved down to Florida. Well, when they, they invited Rachel and I over, and they were like, and you got to see this. They opened up the real estate app where it had all the pictures. Guess what? In the house that they now live in has an island with the three can lights dropping down, just like I had seen. And I guarantee you, they've sat there and been like, I can't believe it. Look at where we're at. So sometimes those things that don't make sense in that moment need to go on a shelf because it's for a future thing, right? So don't necessarily throw the baby out with the bathwater, but if I said I see you driving a, you know, a, a Ford pickup, he's going to be like, no, 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 no. Right? That one you can flush. You can flush that. So you have options. You can receive it and partner with it. You can shelf it to, to test it for later or not even a Chevrolet. Come on. Or you can flush it, right? That's part of you being that powerful person that you are, right? Does that make sense, you guys? Number three is diversity on um, diversity or of receiving and administering the prophetic gifts. Diversity. What does that mean? How many of you guys? You have. There's another you in this world. Nobody? There's not another you, buddy. No. There's not another you. That means you are an individual. Fearfully and wonderfully made. That means you hear the Lord differently than the way I do. Differently than the way that Chris does. Differently than Josh or Brian or Bill. And that's absolutely beautiful. That's the diversity in receiving these and in, and in the administering of it. Like Rose does a beautiful job of painting. Melissa Totemayar, I think I pronounced her name that right. Maybe wrong. Yes, Melissa T. Um, <laughs> Jana, these ladies do an amazing job of expressing and administering their prophetic gifting in paint. Right? Amy did an amazing job this morning administering her prophetic gifting as she sung in the spirit. Does that make sense? You don't want me singing in the spirit, I promise you. Right? 1 Peter 4.10. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. In that manifold grace, that word manifold means multifaceted. Right? That multifaceted, you ladies that have diamonds on your hands, Y'all like flaunting them out, right? And they shine. The reason why they shine is the facet or the cut. You, every one of you in this room hearing the sound of my voice, you are a facet of God. You are a facet of God. You've been fearfully and wonderfully made. You've been chiseled and cut to the perfection of where you are now so that you hear the voice of the Lord, release it to allow your light to shine before all men so they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Right? You got, that's our core values. Does that make sense? So in that part of the part of the community is is um, is releasing that. Like I'm gonna step out. I'm gonna be a little bold right now. We give you permission to prophesy to one another. We give you here's even a bigger one. Someone needs to hear this. We give you permission to be you. We give you to permission to be you. I do not give you permission to be me or Rachel or Chris or Caleb, <laughs> right? Part of being in that community and you being you, there's growth opportunities. I like to call them upgrades. 
a lot of times, like, you know, I try to choose my words wisely. I don't always succeed. I probably fail more than I succeed in that. But, like, when I hear somebody that's, like, a little, you know, I don't agree with, <laughs> I might say something like, oh, they've got an opportunity for some upgrade. <laughs> right? What that means is they're wrong <laughs> in Jake's eyes. Not necessarily always. Right? But in that, part of that prophetic community and calling you higher is seeing you in a different light. You guys recognize, I don't know if you all ever uh, have heard this before. I know I've taught it before, I think, in the prophetic group or the prophetic training. But there's this analogy of these four window panes. Okay? Think of a window. It's got the grid, right? Pane one, two, three, and four. Right? Um, This is you. You are the pain. This is how you either see or people see you. Okay? Pane number one is what everyone knows about you. It's the sound of your voice. It's your height, hair color, you know, your great sense of humor. Thank you. Um, It's all the things that we know about you, like being a Cowboys fan, not being able to pick a good football team, you know, (laughs) or the Eagles. I care less about professional football, right? But that's what everything, that's pain number one. That's what everybody knows, hair color, you know, all that kind of stuff. Pain number two is what others know about you that you don't. This is super important because there's certain things that you don't know about you, and it's those areas where many times you have an opportunity for an upgrade. Tracking, right? As an example, Jake's sense of humor, (laughs) right? It's the truth, right? Sometimes I'm not as funny as I am inside my head. Right? Whatever that may be for you, there's something there that other people are going to know about with you that you don't know about. And if you're always, well, this is my face, get used to it. If that's your outlook, you got the wrong outlook. If that's your outlook, then no, this is me, you got to deal with me, and you're never growing, that's on you. You want to talk about taking another lap around the mountain? Have that position. I don't care what position in life you have, church ministry, family, whatever. If it's, uh, no, this is me, this is how God made me get used to it. Tough time being in leadership with that idea, right? Because it's those areas that you probably have an opportunity to have the most upgrade. And if you want favor with man, I know I do, you're going to have to have upgrades at different times. And it's going to be challenging. Sometimes it's going to hurt a little bit. You know, um, but one of the things I'll tell you this, um, Craig Sloan's not here today, but I respect the fool out of that man. Right. I do. He, um, you know, I um, and I'm just going to be transparent with you guys a little bit, if that's OK. Um, I made a little what I thought was funny in here, but wasn't right. It wasn't anything malice or anything like that, but it hurt his feelings. And he came to me and he said, hey, bud, you said this. It hurt my heart. You know what I did? I didn't tell him to get a sense of humor. I didn't tell him, well, that's me. Get used to it. I value Craig Sloan. I value him as a prophetic voice, as a friend. I said, buddy, I'm sorry. I did not mean it that way. This, like, I'm so sorry. Will you forgive me? And he said, yeah, absolutely, buddy. Because I didn't think so, but I needed to bring it up so there was no animosity built between you and I. If we don't have the ability to say, hey, I'm sorry. And sometimes, guys, that's when you are in the right. But if we don't have that, if we don't have that fortitude to say, I'm sorry, then how are we going to grow together as a community? How are we going to get stronger and stronger and stronger? So that was pain number two. Pain number three is what only you know about you. These are like your internal fears. Your fear of heights, fear of spiders, fear of... Halloween, (laughs) fear of whatever, right? This is like how you, like certain things that maybe you live life through, feelings that you have, stuff that nobody knows, right? Those, that's pain number three. Those are some of the things that you're dealing with internally, that internal war, right? Joyce Meyer wrote that book, The Battlefield of the Mind. That's what I'm referring to, right? You need community to help you out in that. And here's one of the things about that is you're going to have to get vulnerable with two or three people who are close to you. Not everybody, but two or three people that you are super close to so that you can get vulnerable. 
so that you can strip off those things to present those, those most likely lies so that you can expose that weed to the sun, S-O-N, so the warmth of his love and truth can be poured out upon you and watch that little weed shrivel up. But that doesn't happen without vulnerability. Does that make sense, you guys? So if you want to grow in those areas, where, especially in that, because, man, sometimes, many times, that's where we get held back the most, is in between our ears. Not believing how God sees us, how heaven calls us, all those things, but believing the lie of the enemy, right? Number four on the pains. This one is the most fun and mysterious and sometimes frustrating. It's what God knows about you that nobody else knows yet. This is the call on your life. This is the giftings. This is how he sees you as a good mother, as a good father, as a precious son, as a precious daughter. The one who carries joy. That's how God sees you. And see, one of the beautiful things I think about this this analogy is that in our prophetic community, we're able to address all of those in love to pull you up to being the best version of you that you can be. So that we see you step into the calling that God has on your life, utilizing the gifts of creativity that you have that maybe others passed over. I have a friend of mine. She's over in Amarillo, Texas. Her name's uh, Ruby Winters. Um, five years ago, we were at a uh, we were in a business uh, a kingdom business group together. Um, and one of the guys that used to mentor me, Keith Ferrante, saw her, didn't know her from Eve, because um, she's not Adam. All right. All right, thank you. <laughs> and prophesied over her, her artistic creativity with painting art. She had not painted, she was, I think, in her mid to mid-50s. She had shut down her painting gift when she was in the seventh grade because a teacher made fun of her. Your words matter. But Keith called that out. You know what she did? She took a step of faith. We're going to talk about that here hopefully in a few minutes. And she started painting. And you need like um, Ruby Winters art or art by Ruby, I think, on Facebook. It's absolutely beautiful and astonishing what she paints between just like wildlife, Jesus, like all these things, him with a crown. It's absolutely beautiful. But because God put that in her and a man shut it down, That was one of those things inside of her that she never fully let go of, but never had the courage to go out and do. It was one of those pain threes and kind of pain four that Keith didn't know about. And when he tapped in and called that out, guess what? Everybody knows it now. So when you're in this prophetic community, you're going to have people who are going to see you how heaven sees you, see the gifts that maybe you shuffed down because you got insulted or that you couldn't, whatever, fill in the blank. And they're going to pull that out of you so that you can tap into that creator that you are. Does that make sense, you guys? All right. Transitions. How does prophetic community help you in transitions? Number one, they're there with you. They're there with you. Like There's been a lot of transition here with my family. Chris and Terry have been there every stinking step of the way. There's a few others that have been super tight in that process with us, too. That have held our hand. Pushed us forward. Heard the word of the Lord for us. Craig being one of those, and Craig didn't know it. Transitions aren't always fun. Usually because there's a lot of pressure involved. And there's a lot of friction involved. But when you're able to process through transition, you can get to the change that God wants you to do, that metamorphosis of continually becoming the new creature that you are in Christ. It's really hard to do that alone. You know, one of the things I love about Elijah, he was super powerful. Nothing could stop him until he got on the proverbial island. When he got out by himself, away from what he was supposed to be doing, then he got encapsulated with fear. 
because Jezebel was going to kill him. He went from killing 800 some odd prophets, pagan prophets, calling down fire from heaven. And like two or three days later, he's running for his life because some little lady, she was mean, (laughs) threatened him. And he's hiding in a cave. Why? Because he got on an island. He got out of his lane. Part of being in transition is even though you're transitioning, you're transitioning forward. You're changing forward. Right? And community helps you transition forward. There's times where there's going to be things on your heart. You're like, man, I feel like I need to be doing X. I need to be doing Y. And you go to someone who you trust here in the community. And you're able to bounce that off of them. And they're like, you know what? I feel some weight on it, but I feel like it's a not now. It's a in the future. Does that make sense? Right? Or, man, I don't feel that at all. And then you can start checking that. That's accountability. Right? Change is the external ending of an internal transition. How you are becoming on the inside. See, part of the thing about transition that most people don't like or want to address is typically before you go into the change, you have the transition, and that transition is on the inside. It's those things that you have to work on. People skills, reading joke books. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) It's all the things on the inside. Maybe it's a mindset. Maybe you grew up in a theology where God was angry with you all the time. Don't make God mad. You know, you don't want to have fire coming down on you. (laughs) Right? Guess what? God's not mad at you. He's madly in love with you. So sometimes that transition is that internal shifting in your theology that got so ingrained in you as a child. We all, me to this day, sometimes I still kind of revert back to it. And it's like, oh, guess I need a little more upgrade in that area. Amen? Right? But that's about transition. Community helps you do that. Right? 2 Corinthians 3.18, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. When you are holding that up, you're seeing your image, how God sees your image. You're being continually transformed into that. That's part of prophetic ministry that we do. Getting a prophetic word isn't always just for direction, although that's good. Sometimes, more times than not, it's about identity, how you see yourself, how you partner with yourself, especially when times are tough. When, excuse the language, but when all hell is breaking loose against you. And you're wondering which way is up. And you get to that spot to where, God, did you forget about me? You pray and he's silent. Maybe I'm the only one that's ever been there. But it's in those moments when someone can come up and give you a prophetic word and be like, you know what, I feel like you're really good dad. Because I see all my failures. But he's such an amazing father. This house, he continually calls out identity. The true, authentic identity. That's how I know he's a father. That's how I know he's an apostle. But that unveiled face means you don't have to hide from God. He already sees you. He sees you how he created you. How are we doing? All right, we're not too bad. So how does this apply with faith? You know, the, uh, the famous verse, um, now that I lost it. <laughs> Hebrews eleven six. now without faith it is impossible to please God, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Hebrews 11.1, 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. How many of you guys get frustrated with those two verses? Like, what do we do? How do we live in faith? How many of you guys want to, like, that's a legit question you've had at some point. How do we actually live in faith? Right? Is it for the elite? Right? Is it for just a few? No, God is not a respecter of persons. He's looking, his, his eyes are wandering to and fro for a man or a woman of faith. You know, in my journey back in 2016, 
Um, at our old house, we had a decent-sized yard, so I could spend about an hour away from the kids with the lawnmower going, cutting the grass. It was the most beautiful silence I'd ever had, <laughs> right? I'd throw in my AirPods. I'd be listening to Bethel or Jesus culture, and me and the Lord would start talking about Elijah. The way he started it off was this. He said, Jake, do you know why Elijah was able to do what Elijah was able to do? And so I start going through this Rolodex of what I think the answer is, right? Have you ever done that before? And then I stopped and I thought, wait a minute. If that's immediately what I'm thinking, that's probably not what he's wanting to address. So I probably don't know what it is. So I said, I don't know, Lord. Why was Elijah able to do what Elijah was able to do? Because I thought he was a prophet. He was called by God, right? He was special, right? Not to diminish Elijah in any way, shape, form, or fashion. But that's what I thought it was all about that, the gift. This is what God told me. He said Elijah was able to do what Elijah was able to do because of the boldness of his faith. He believed me for what I said I was going to do. Faith, many times, you guys, is stepping out into the unknown. Matter of fact, it is that 100% of the time. You guys have heard me say this before, but the opposite of faith is not fear. It is not doubt. It is not unbelief. The opposite of faith is certainty. Because if you have to be certain that God is going to do something before you do it, then you don't need faith. Your certainty should lie in the fact that God said he was going to do it and he's going to do it no matter how it looks. Because how many times do we get that word, we get that idea, we get that direction and we think it's going to happen in one way, shape, form, or our fashion. Right? I'm a seer. I see how it's going to go. And then you're like, this looks nothing like what you're going to do, God. Right? Have y'all been there before? But my certainty is still in the fact that God is going to do what he said he was going to do. My way or his way, it doesn't matter. Does that make sense? Faith is spelled R-I-S-K. And you can't get away from that. And what a privilege it is to be called to live a life of faith. When you pray for the sick, there is a chance that they don't get healed in that moment. But there is a chance that God moves. There is a chance that you're going to have to take. There's a risk when you call that person up and you tell them for that internal issue, that lung, that heart, that liver, that gallbladder, to be in them as it is in heaven, in Jesus' name, where you are calling that out. It may not happen. You have to be okay with that. Because if it has to happen the way you see it, then God doesn't have to move. He might. But living in faith, it, it's, a, it's such an it's such a honor to live this life of faith. The world is envious of you of us. Do you know that? They have to have certainty. Their 401ks, their jobs. How many of y'all have had a 401k or a job, right? And it crash? Where's the certainty in that? A business? I've had several failed businesses, right, Tom? <laughs> a little bit, one or two here or there, right? Some of you guys, your certainty, I'm going to step on some toes, is on the 15th and the 30th of every month. It's in your paycheck. Because you know God has called you to do greater things than where you're at right now. And because you have that certainty of security, if you hold on to that and never venture out and transform, through prophetic community, to live that life of faith, that entrepreneurial spirit, that gift, that idea, that design, that acting gig, that singing, that music, that art, may never fully manifest. I'm not telling you to go do something stupid, but maybe you should start exploring ways of pursuing that dream on the inside of you and start risking what God has put inside of you so that you can see him do what he said he's going to do. 
One of the other things about faith is when we get prophetic words, trusting them. Does that make sense? Right? Paul tells Timothy this in 1 Timothy 1, 18 and 19, I charge, or this charge I commit to you, my son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, having faith and a good conscience. One of the biggest reasons why you have prophetic words spoken over you, sung over you, painted over you, however you've received them, is so that when you're in this season of life where you receive it, and it's a big promise over here, there's usually junk in between. It's to get you through the junk, to get you through the swamp, the mud, the mire. Those days of sorrow that are in between because you know light comes in the morning. Right? And his joy accompanies that. Craig gave Luke, actually Craig gave me a word for Luke. He had no clue what was going on. And one day in the future, I'll be able to elaborate more about this. My oldest son had something very dear to him that he worked for for the last eight years stolen from him. Craig had no idea about it. And I love Craig tremendously for this. Craig Sloan, in case y'all are wondering who I'm talking about. We were on the way back from the beach, and he texted me, and he had no, literally had no clue. And he said, man, I see Luke. I was, he said, I was praying. Actually, he said, I was soaking. I immediately had a vision of him in a bathtub. I'm like, Craig, <laughs> just, just say you were praying. He was in a hot tub. <laughs> and he said, I see Luke holding up this championship belt, and it says champion of champions on it. And then he goes on to elaborate. I showed that to Rachel, and I'm driving up I-65 in Alabama coming home from the beach. It was a little tough staying between the lines, if y'all know what I mean, because we're in the middle of the junk, that mud, that mire. But God had made a promise to get him to where Luke is at now and will be in the future. And I believe that's not just a now word, that's an entire life word for Luke. That he will be the champion of champions. That people will see him coming and be like, he is the champion of champions. Here he comes. So our part in faith is holding on to that and stepping forth in that. God is our lamp. His word is our lamp. So many times your prophetic words are lighting up your feet. Y'all remember the old song, Thy Word? Is a lamp into your feet and a light into my path. If you ever go hunting and you're in the dark, the majority of the time your flashlight is within two or three feet. Every now and then you shine it up so you know you're on the right path and you get to walking. Any of my rednecks say amen on that? Right? Prophetic words are the same way, lighting up that next step. Because that's all you need is that next step. To take that faith, to walk through that transition, and to have that prophetic community. Some of the things that um, I felt like the Lord wanted to do in this moment is I felt like there's been some, um, there's an opportunity for some upgrade with your prophetic words. I feel like some of us here in this room have given up on them. I felt like some of us have not had a word in so long. It's a, oh, that's good for them kind of an attitude. It's not good just for them. God means good for you too. I felt like there's some transitions that people are going through where they need some encouragement. So they can walk through that change internally and externally. I felt like some of us even had been slighted a little bit from prophetic communities in the past. And you need some healing in your heart. And so what I want to do in this moment is, uh, if I talk to you about doing prophetic ministry, if you could come forward, please. But what I, what I want to do is, here in a moment, if that's you, and you need a prophetic word, you need the kiss of the Father. You need some identity. You need to walk through some transition. You need something from the Lord today. I want you to put a demand on the Lord. 
and watch him show up. If you just need a fresh touch, this is the time for that. This is the community for that. To walk through life so that you can see yourself in the fullness of the potential that God put in you. So that that dash in between your birth date and your home going is full of stories of faith. So Jesus, we just thank you for this time. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your tenderness, for your sweetness. We thank you for just your your love over us. Father, thank you for your identity that you breathe into us. Thank you for this prophetic house, this prophetic community that honors you, Holy Spirit, and your gifts. Thank you for the transitions, Father. As tough as they may be, we shall fear not because you overcame the world. And we thank you for the opportunity to live the incredible life of faith. Holy Spirit, we just welcome you here. I know you're already here, but we just fully open the door for you to come in and to minister through each of us and to us today in Jesus' name. If you're needing that prophetic word, if you're needing some encouragement, if you're needing a hug, if you're going through some transition, whatever, the folks standing behind me are incredibly gifted. I want to encourage you, be bold and come forth. Put a demand on the Lord. Father, what do you have for me? So if y'all want to come forward, come and pray. Come and get a word. For more resources and information about Resurgent ATL, please visit our website.